welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name what matters. Hello and welcome. I'm so thankful you are joining us for this episode. Today on the Let It Matter podcast, I'm joined by Mary B. Seyfried, author, singles coach, and host of the Unsuitable podcast. I wanted to do this episode um, as a resource, uh, a two-pronged reason. First, of course, I want this to be a validation of single people of all walks, um, whether you desire marriage, whether you don't, whether you're queer, whether you're straight, whether you're cisgendered, whether you are dating, whether you long for marriage, um, whatever it is, I want this to be a validation of your experience and, um, and a resource you can share with people. I also want this to be a resource that can be shared with people who aren't single and for, and with pastors and ministry leaders and rectors, people who are in authority within the church, um, and who minister to, to singles regularly. I want this to be something that can be shared, um, to say, you know, if you need a succinct way to understand some of whatever our experiences are, here's this 45 minute episode. So that's my goal with this. Um, so I couldn't have asked for a better conversation partner. Mary B. Seyfried, like I said, is a singles coach, uh, for singles in the church. She hosts a podcast that's in its ninth season about singleness. Um, so she's wonderful. Her full, uh, bio is that she is an author, producer, and host of the Unsuitable Podcast and Singles Coach, who's passionate about closing the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Her book, The Single Christians Church, the single Christians church Survival Guide, How to Navigate Church Culture and Conversations Without Losing Your Mind, is available on Amazon. You can listen to Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried wherever you get your podcasts. She currently resides in New York City. Now, here is my conversation with Mary B. Mary B, Seyfrit, thank you so much for joining me on the Let It Matter podcast today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I am so thrilled. So uh, I have sort of at this point already introduced to people what we're going to be talking about, but it was sort of just all things singleness in the American or Western church. Um, and that I want this episode to be certainly validating for singles. Um, and for those who are not single, this is not a pass. You don't get to skip this one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people who are single, you are friends with people who are single. There are people Mm -hmm. in your community at church who are single and who, um, who you should be in proximity with, but this is, I want this also to be a resource that single people can maybe send it to their ministry leader, send it to Mm -hmm. your pastor. If you are a pastor listening to this, you have single people in your church. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and even if they're not the dominant demographic, it doesn't, 
it doesn't mean you get a pass to just never engage them um, in ways that are helpful and, and that lead to flourishing for everybody. So that's sort of where we're going to, where we're going to spend our time today Mm -hmm. to start us off. I'd love if we can talk about what we mean when we say single um, and what the dominant narrative of singleness is in the church. I know in your work as a singles coach and host of a, of a podcast for singles, what do you see as the most common themes for those who identify as Christian singles? Mm. So for uh, just to clarify terms here, um, when yeah. I say single, I just mean anybody who's not married, because that's kind of generally anybody who gets lumped into this this single category. I always like to say, if you file taxes as a single person, mm. um, then you are single, uh, which I know maybe now it's a little more complicated, but yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so single just means not married. Yeah. So I think that like, I want to be of- clear really quick. That's also what I mean. I yeah. think there are some things that um, in the church and in, and then conversations about singleness that that isn't always the case in the yeah. culture of it. But right. but that is also what I mean. Just so people yes. know. continue. Of course, yes, yes, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And I was going to say that like we that is the definition, and I think a lot of people would say that. But I think that um, especially in a lot of church spaces, uh, American Western church spaces, when we say single, we maybe conjure up this image of a very specific type of single person. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, this was the case for me when I like first started in this work, and it's maybe someone in their 20s who has never been married, who is straight and who want really, really wants to get married and is like pretty bummed that they're not married. Uh Right. So that's kind of the image I think that maybe a lot of people have when we say single, that's like someone or maybe like, I don't know, an older like cat lady type person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it really is sort of archetypes almost. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, when we say single, that includes, uh, like so many different types of people, so many different demographics, so many intersections of the single experience. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you have people who are what I described young, never married, want to get married, super bummed that they're not married. Uh-huh. Um, but you also have people who don't want to get married. You have people who are divorced, people who are single parents, people who are widows, you have LGBTQ people who are either uh, celibate who are um, affirming and they're, you know, dating and want to be married in Uh in same-sex relationships. You have asexual people. You have people who are, you know, there's there's a whole spectrum of human beings um, of all ages who are single. And so to kind of lump all of these Uh, all of them into one demographic it gets it gets extremely tricky to speak in any kind of generality there are Mm -hmm. some commonalities right in the single experience um just as far as like married privilege is its own Mm -hmm. thing and if you don't have that then that is like that lack of privilege is something that is common to all single people but Within the single experience, there's there's a whole host of other intersections and, and complications and also joys and things that are amazing uh-huh. um, that are specific to those different types of single experience. And yeah. so I think that for a lot of single people, you know, there's this narrative that single people are... I don't know, inherently selfish or that single people are immature or that single people are self-focused or that they're career obsessed or that they're like, it's, it's rarely a good, good things associated with being single. Um, when the reality is it's this really rich, um, this really robust 
experience, this really robust demographic that has like so much to offer the church and so mm-hmm. much to offer their communities um, and people who really embody the gospel and image God in a really wonderful, beautiful, specific way that's really irreplaceable to the church. Uh, namely among them that Jesus also was single and yeah. and remind and Paul reminds us that singleness is the end goal of all of us, not marriage. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, those are some really just specific ways. You mentioned not being able to speak in generalities, and I agree with that, um, although I do think there's tons of it. In fact, I've been yeah. involved this week in some conversations on Twitter where um, people were, and I do this too, so this isn't me throwing shade, but people were sort of speaking for singles and saying this, this was the example was if you're a married couple and you have a single person living with you, um, they need to be included in dinner and in family life and with the kids and all of that stuff. Uh, and this is what we want. Otherwise don't offer it. And, and my response to that was like, I hear that. And I do think communicating, um, expectations before a lease is signed is of course very important. Um, but some people aren't looking to have dinner with that family every night. Some people just want a safe room in a, in a home they can afford with people they trust, you know, if they can't afford to live alone. Um, you know, there were things like, you know, we'll even watch your kids for you. And I've seen people move into homes with married people with children and that get exploited. It was like they were a living nanny when they never agreed to that. Um, and, and that was just one example. There are tons of ways when I say the dominant narrative, I think, I also think, of mid to late 20s mm-hmm. um, or 30s. And 30s is when the heat starts to really fire up because especially for women, biologically, if you want children, yeah, um, there is a certain amount of time that we have to do that within yeah. um, if we want to have them um, naturally and biologically at least. And yeah. so, um, so none of this is wrong and none of these, it doesn't mean this isn't a, an experience of singleness. It just yeah. that they also want, they deeply desire marriage. They have yeah. a, a really keen sense of longing and of lack. Yeah. Um, and, and there's even a wrestle with their faith of like, God, why do you see everyone else? Why yeah. do you keep answering the prayers of everyone around me and not me? Yeah. Um, there's often a lot of struggle and wrestle with, am I pretty enough? Is my, what's my body yep. image like? Am I good enough? Am I too intimidating? Um, right. uh, maybe my life's just too big of a mess for anybody to, you know, I hate dating apps or whatever, you know, the, uh, the, um, we often wrestle with, and I, and I have, I have experienced this so deeply as well, especially in my mm-hmm. late twenties, um, of like, when I did start dating someone clinging to it with bare, with just white knuckles, because what yep. if it doesn't come around again? Yep. And so you put up with maybe some harmful things. You put up with things that are not what you want out of your life yeah. and in your life because you think, well, either I could change them or I could adapt to this or it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, and so I just, if that is you, I want you to know you are seen and this is your conversation as well. But like you yeah. said, there are so many other ways to exist within the, in the world and, and within singleness. Myself, I, I've mentioned this before, I am single. And for most of my life, marriage and motherhood was my trajectory. Never questioned mm-hmm. it. I, I have a piece of paper that I, from second grade where it was like asking our like in 10 years and 20 years and 15 years, what do you see yourself? 
Um, and when it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wrote housewife. I didn't even say stay at home mom. That wasn't the term, but my mom stayed home with us. She yeah. didn't work. And I just thought, gosh, she stays home and watches TV all day. That's gotta be amazing. That's not what she did. First of all, that was what I thought she did. Um, yeah. <laughs> and second of all, it, it was, a, that was in second grade. That was mm. my, you know, already formed enough to know that I want to have a husband who works outside the home who can support yeah. us. I will stay home and not have to work, but we will have multiple children because I'll, you know, that's why I have to stay home with them. Mm. What that also leads to, I want to be um, maybe a little bit transparent here. That also leads to a lack of aggressiveness in our professional tracks because mm -hmm. we're going to be a part of a, a double income one day. I just have mm -hmm. to make enough to get by right now until I get married. Mm -hmm. And that's when I'll get serious about 401k. That's when I'll get mm -hmm. serious about benefits, about retirement, about saving, yeah. about investment. I don't have to know all that stuff, right? I'm just in a transition phase until I'm married. Mm -hmm. um, and for some people that is true. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think we really do ourselves a disservice when we're, are, we keep, we, we participate in keeping our lives in a holding pattern. It's not just yeah. that we're treated that way. Oftentimes we participate in our own stunting. Yeah. I did. I, I didn't even, there were things I didn't even consider possible. Yeah. Um, because I thought I have to have a husband for that. <laughs> yeah. And so that was just sort of one, um, one example, but I, in the sort of the same vein, I want to talk about the experience of single folks and the, in the church, yeah. um, you talk to Christian singles all the time. This mm -hmm. is literally your primary work. So what are some common things you hear Christian singles saying about their experiences in church specifically, the weekly services, the ministries, and the church culture at large? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that keeps popping up, and I guess this can kind of, um, there's a lot kind of underneath this um, umbrella, mm -hmm. uh, is this idea that there's, it just feels like there's no place for them. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like people don't know what to do with me. People don't know. Like, I I don't know. I don't understand where I fit in this yeah. culture, in this in this story, um, in this community. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I think that we can. Uh, there's a bunch of different, uh, I don't know, like paper cut type things that can lead to that over oh, overall death by narrative. a thousand cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, it's in things like sermon illustrations, right? Mm -hmm. If the um, pastor is married, then we see a lot of illustrations used in the sermon about marriage, about parenthood, yes. um, not so much about friendship or career or any number of things yeah. that are relevant to single people. And not and just so stories, mental, but, yeah. but um, an indication that um, that you're more sanctified, you're more yeah. formed into the image yeah. of God. You understand yeah. God better or God's love better yeah. when you're a parent or when right. you're a spouse. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you're trying to give people a sense of like what love is or describe what love is, you know, mm -hmm. it's about parenthood. It's about marriage. It's about like I didn't understand love like God's love until I became a parent or I didn't understand like how to like self-sacrifice until I yep. became a parent or until I was married, stuff like that. That's like, OK, well, I guess as a single person, if I never get married, if I never have kids, then I what am I just never going to understand God's yep. love? Um so there's that. Then there's also like, um, 
I don't know, just this, this overwhelming narrative that like singles are just not as mature or not as because of that lack, quote unquote, lack of sanctification. Mm -hmm. They're not as mature. They're not as spiritually mature. Um, and you know, even like selfish, self-focused, self-centered because, you know, we don't have to like die to ourselves for our children every day, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of things. Um, I don't know why I don't know where that voice came from, but it, I think it was. I'm leaving it in. Um, great, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so there's this this kind of like, um, yeah, and then there's also like something that drives me absolutely bonkers is the Sorry, advice that. Really quick, I want to I want to circle back on that one. Oh yeah, sure. Something in my this happens also in families. This uh-huh. this idea that we're not whole yet, we're not the like we we're still at the kids table. When yeah. we're single, yeah, yeah, yeah. even it, so, I'm older than my younger brother, but he's married and has three children. He, yeah, I have an apartment. He owns a home. For many years, yeah. he was he was more professionally successful than me. He has two degrees. I have none. Yeah. Um, I would say we're equal in you know in professional success now. And I don't participate in the narrative that my life is less than his because I'm not married. But right. there would be things like when we would be planning a family vacation. And the, mm. the, like the Airbnb had mm-hmm. two bedrooms and a yep. fold out couch yep. and my parents would get the one bedroom. My brother and sister-in-law would get the other cause they were married and That's the right. fold out couch or the loft or the, you know, the, the twin bed or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Whatever would go to me. situation is the single person always. Exactly. Always. That would go to me because, you know, you're just one person, you, you know, we can, or the kids can sleep with you. And that, that doesn't, I'm, I'm not complaining. I love aunt time. I just, mm-hmm. um, we see that in families and then, and then those families go to church. And so that translates mm-hmm. to, you're not at the big kids table at church yeah. or you are less whole or you are less mature or, yeah. um, you'll understand one day those kinds of things. Yeah. It also translates to the church. I'll let you continue. I just, I wanted to yeah. mention that because it, no, totally, totally. I think, yeah. That's and, an, um, a sermon illustration for sing- single people. Hey, <laughs> we die to ourselves on vacation with our That's families. Right. How about that? Sometimes we, we do. get the couch. Sometimes Anyways, we do, and um, sometimes we complain the whole time. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's okay too. Yeah. But um, no, I think there's also this, um, I don't know, it's almost an, an infantilization or something of single people where like, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like married people love to give single people advice, especially about dating or anything, anything about our lives. Like they have some sort of wisdom that they need to bestow on us. Like, yeah. oh, here is this one. Like here I have my life as one example of how a person might get unsingle. And I'm going to assume that that's what this person wants who I'm talking to. And so I'm going to bestow my wisdom mm-hmm. of it happens when you least expect it. Or you should try a dating app or Blah, bleep, bloop, bloop. Like any, literally anything, not just having to do with dating, like anything, yeah. like this, in, this idea that, that married people inherently have this wisdom yeah. that single people don't and single people don't know how to like do anything. And so it kind of leads to this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy where you can have all of the agency and responsibility and ownership of your life. But if you're getting these constant like if you're getting these messages constantly reinforced Mm -hmm. from the environment around you from the relationships around you from the culture around you that like "Mm, no sit down sweetie like you don't really know especially when it's baptized in in god's name as well yeah yeah Yeah. then it gets like like what it's that's really hard to like even if you have all of the agency in the world and all Mm -hmm. of the sense of self in the world and all of the like 
confidence in your salvation and whatever mm-hmm. like that's really hard to to yeah. combat against constantly those messages like constantly coming in it is and and you know i've had i've had a friend of mine you know whenever i was i don't know probably 28 29 oh on it was on the verge of my 30th birthday and like mm-hmm. for a month i cried myself to sleep cuz i was devastated to turn 30 and still mm-hmm. be single and I mean, kicking and screaming. And she was, she just was like, you know, man, I know how you feel whenever I was not married yet. She got married at 20. (laughs) Bye. No. She was six years younger than me and got married at 20. And Uh -uh. she was a friend and lovely. And I loved her children. But I just thought like, you don't have any idea. But here's, this is what I want to get to. Because so much of the internal struggle of singleness, especially within the church, Mm-hmm. Um, as well as the dynamic and the relation, the relational struggle is comparison. Yeah. They have it and I don't. You're better than me. I'm better than you. What yeah. I was tempted to say just a second ago was when in reality, single people have had to have had to make their way and navigate through life yep. and negotiate situations on their own. Yep. Um, and and so, for example, you know, like I said, my brother is younger than me and, and they got married, I don't know, like in their early 20s. Um, and yeah. they're, and bless them, they were precious and buying a house and, and I love them so much. Um, but I was buying the narrative that because they had like fi- figured out how to sign loan papers, that mm-hmm. that meant they were more uh, mature and more... Yeah. Uh, I should defer to them in matters of like wisdom or needing advice or morality or, you know, whatever. When, when it's not a matter of comparison, we both have gifts. The point of singles being affirmed and celebrated and included in the church is because it's a more vibrant, more full picture of, of God's creation and of the family of God. So if we spend our whole time internally comparing ourselves to other women, to, uh, to married couples, to who's getting their prayers answered, to yeah. who's getting the dates, uh, to who got married and how young, like I just did, <laughs> it will just suck all the, all the ability for us to share our wisdom. Yeah. Uh, because frankly, I wouldn't feel like it <laughs> yeah. if I would feel like this is going to be disregarded. Yeah. Um, but also for us to just mutually build one another up and be the family of God rather than like the sibling rivalry within the family of God. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think like, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, um, just so much of the, like it works both ways, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes married people will look at single people and be like, oh, you're so lucky you have so much time or you're so mm-hmm. like, you know, you're so like free and you can just like live your best life and blah, blah, blah. You know, all of this stuff. I think that, that I think it works both ways that, yeah. um, you know, like, like we are we need each other. Yes. And, and mutu- like that mutuality that like, I mean, you know, that's why Paul talks about, well, I'm not going to put that on it that I, I think that that's a lot of uh, what Paul is talking about when he um you know refers to us as a body with many parts yeah. we're a body with many parts like in all all of the parts mm-hmm. like have to work together mm-hmm. to create this body yeah. like this picture of Jesus this picture of of living a, a, a faithful life and mm-hmm. I think that like you know when we can kind of take a step back and look at that and kind of appreciate 
who we are in that body, um, that's when we can really step into our values, step into like not buying these narratives. And the onus isn't all on us, but I think that especially for single people, it's important to remember that we have, we have so much more power than we think we do. We have so much more power than we, um, or maybe given credit for, especially mm-hmm. now that there's kind of a critical mass of us, just as if we think about the overall, you know, numbers of the church or even yeah. just the overall number statistics of um, adults in America. Yeah. You know, there there is a bit of a critical mass there. And I think that more and especially more, especially if we're are, expanding our definition to include divorced people and widowed people yep. and single parents. 100%, yes. hundred percent. Right. And so I think that like, I don't know. Sometimes it can feel like shout for me, at least shouting into the void or shouting at a brick wall. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that like there is we're at a point in church history where there is a little bit more um, of a desire to listen and understand from leadership. Um, And then I think something that just came to mind that I also wanted to touch on um, as far as like what you were talking about um, with how singles see themselves and mm-hmm. who is seen as successful and not successful. I think it's also really important to for us to remember that we're doing what we're doing, like living this faithful single adult life without mm-hmm. like a model, right? The model and the path for so long of what adulthood mm-hmm. is, is this narrative of the ultimate good and the ultimate way to be a Christian is yeah. to get married, have kids, blotty bloop bloop, you know, buy a house, all of that. This is the, like, yeah. right, this kind of middle-class version of the American dream mm-hmm. has been conflated with what it is to be a good Christian. And yeah. so, like, yeah. the, you know. So either that's like our not, model or if because yeah. we're not in that space, our model is, like, college kids. Yeah. Like, that's who that's who we get, who we sort of get put in line with is yeah. is young young kids who aren't, who aren't married yet because they're not, ready to be married yet they're not old enough yeah yeah <laughs> they shouldn't yeah. be married yet yeah yeah so I just I want to say that too just because I feel like I don't know for me at least it's taken a lot to have a lot of compassion for myself to realize mm-hmm. like I I have these narratives about myself I can't I, sh- I can't shame myself out of having these this picture of who I am and like this th- whatever like yeah. it's not just me there is a cultural component here there mm-hmm. is a whole stew that I am in, a cold zeitgeist that I am part of yeah. that is contributing to how I see myself. And that doesn't mean that I don't have any agency or responsibility, but it does mean that I can have compassion for myself and I can be yeah. a little bit kinder to myself and not like put all of the onus for mm-hmm. and all of the blame onto myself for for, you know, this the the state and the reality of what things are and how things are. Yeah. And, and I, I love that you said that. I think the temptation can be to either put it all on us or mm-hmm. to put it all on the culture and all on the church yeah. and all on the, and the, yeah. the models. Um, when, you know, like, just like you said, when that is the, the soup we swim in, that is the waters yeah. we breathe. Neither of those more metaphors worked, but anyway, um, when that is the world we exist in for our yeah. whole lives, like I said, in second grade saying, I want to be a housewife, our whole mm. lives hearing, you know, I, I played wedding when I was a like a toddler mm-hmm. um, and stuff. And so, it's, so yes, it's the culture, but then I, the, where I, where I want to just invite people, invite singles, especially into 
is doing the work of rejecting those narratives. And that may involve therapy, that may involve Enneagram work, that may involve spiritual direction, singles coaching. Hey, hey, I've got someone that I know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or, um, you know, various other types of internal personal work. Um, But the work is not necessarily to change all of culture. Um, It's too big. What you can do is start within and... um, and just like wrestle with what's been put on you yeah. and then wrestle it off of you. Yeah. That was when, when I started doing that, that was when I discovered, oh, what I actually, I said this on your podcast when I was on it recently, what I actually discovered was I don't want marriage and motherhood. I wanted belonging and to be seen as That's normal right. in right. our culture. And yeah. what was normal in our culture was, you know, when you, when it's time for your high school reunion and it's, you're friending everyone from high school on Facebook and my last name hasn't changed. Yeah. When I know, even if I get married, I'm not changing my last name. Like, but that little thing is in my head of like, yeah. oh, that's that's a sign of it. Or mm-hmm. um, I haven't had a, a wedding shower. I haven't had, you know, married people get this like amazing, depending on where you go to church and who your community is and stuff. But generally, if you're getting married, you get a shower where you're set up with a, a set yep. of dishes, a full set of dishes that match yep. and silverware and things that you need around the house. Whereas single people pretty much inherit them as hand-me-downs or they buy what they can from Facebook marketplace. And they start yeah. to slowly, like if one thing goes away and they've started to have a little more, more margin, they can replace yeah. one thing at a time. And it can take decades just to mm-hmm. get to the place where somebody leaving a, leaving their wedding shower is. Um, we don't have housewarming showers for singles. We don't have professional celebrations for singles who, you know, I, I just got this bump in a bracket of, of my pay and I'm really want to celebrate that and I want to move. Let's have a shower for, you know, like there's two occasions and they involve the dominant narrative, which is marriage and parenthood. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I just, I, I want to invite people into doing that work of just examining the narratives that you've been, that have been put on you and, and then getting to the place, if you can, where you can refuse to participate, you can still want marriage and motherhood or parenthood. You can still want those things, deeply desire them, hunger for them, search for them, go out and date, whatever, you know, whatever your thing is. Absolutely. That I'm not saying come to a different conclusion. I'm saying in that work, you will start to recognize your agency. You will start to recognize mm-hmm. your resilience. You will start mm-hmm. to recognize that you're, you are trustworthy as a companion. You're a good friend mm-hmm. to yourself, or you can become yeah. a good friend to yourself, good company to yourself. These yeah. things are important, whether you're married or not. Yeah. It's important to believe those things about yourself. Um, yeah. You mentioned... Uh, about being the body and like how we have to celebrate each each other being their their own thing. The body mm-hmm. also the hand doesn't say to the hand or to the foot why can't you be a hand. What it also yeah. doesn't say to the foot is one day you'll be a hand. That's right. Um, it lets the foot stay the foot. What another aspect I want to talk to you about is what I call roommate theology. Okay. In primarily evangelical circles, this is where I've heard it the most. Um, it is almost a pseudo-theology. I sum it up like this. Roommates until you're married, married as soon as possible. And the roommate is not just to help you with money um, or to keep you company. It is literally to start, quote, modeling marriage. 
It is mm-hmm. for um, not just financial splitting, although you are doing that, but it's for somebody to be around you, to press back on your preferences, to hold mm-hmm. you accountable, um, to just be in the, you know, be in the house to keep us from becoming our basest, most debauched versions of ourselves. And really what they were saying without saying is for watching a lot of porn. <laughs> Mm. Um, they think everybody who's single and they're living alone, they're just going to be in a porn hole 10 hours a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or having sex or, you know, tempted to, is that what you would be doing if you were single and living alone? Like, is that where that comes from? It really (laughs) isn't. I am single and it really isn't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying saying it's, yeah, I'm not saying it's no one's issue. Um, no, but, but, but like, First of all, an interesting as people who grew up in purity like, culture, we know that, that if we from? want to rebel, even when we live with our parents, we can rebel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. having a roommate is not going to keep us holy. No. It's going to keep us performing. Um, yeah. It just, we just, you just, you can, if that's your thing, it, then you're just going to figure out how to hide it better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's, but the anyways, other aspect sorry, is. Finish your question. It, no, it just, I just want to talk about it because. Here, here's some things I noticed in my life that it produced constant turmoil when one mm-hmm. of the, one of the roommates would move out and get married. And so yeah. either we, we couldn't renew the lease cause we couldn't re- afford it. And then we had to find somewhere else to live. We had to yeah. try to find somebody else to move in and it was the dynamics and do we trust them? And, um, yep. are they, tr- you know, trustworthy? I had a, a situation in a house that I lived in with five other girls from church, five other girls from church. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of us were at our most healthy in that season. I'll the first to admit that I wasn't, but we had an extremely traumatic situation with one of the, one of the roommates, not her particularly, but a, a guy she was with, um, mm-hmm. that the elders had to get involved. Church discipline had mm-hmm. to, had to happen. Um, it, it was, it was so, so harmful. And, and they were they were touting that as like, see, this is good experience. You're not just living on your own to. I mean, not hey, this is the good way to do it, but look, you're getting you're getting um, a firsthand oh, yeah, account okay. of when someone lives their life in a, in proximity to you. You can't control them all the time. Sometimes you have to uh, wrestle. Sometimes you have to get hurt. Sometimes you have to get the church, the community involved. Mm-hmm. So because the alternative was what if I just lived alone Mm -hmm. and I hadn't convinced myself, first of all, that I couldn't afford it uh, because that was also the case for a long time. I just was certain I couldn't afford it because I haven't had never had to because I had roommates. (laughs) Um, But it also, it's still, you're treated like you're in a holding pattern. You're having roommates Mm -hmm. because you're supposed to be preparing for marriage. Yeah. That's the and whole that's, point of it. Right. And that's what I just like I jotted a little note so I wouldn't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, right, that's that's the whole narrative there with that, right? Is that all of singleness is about preparing for marriage. Yeah. Mm, mm, is it? Mm. No, it's not. Like, no. I don't know. There's so much about that that like, I guess I can see the logic, but also that like totally... T- it assumes a lot of things about human beings yeah. generally and about single people. Like, you know, I'll just, I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like, it's not good for anyone to be alone, period. That's in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't read that particular scripture as saying everyone needs to get married. I read it as just saying it's not good for human beings to yeah. be alone. Community. We need to be known by each other and we know God better 
by through relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is something to be said for like, you know, putting ourselves in different situations and learning relational skills and learning, blah, 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 blah. Sure. but like, you don't like, uh, mm, mm, I'm about to, <laughs> whoo, go. about to go, go off. on, go on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, I've been doing a lot of interviews recently. And so my <laughs> filter is whoop, she gone. Um, uh, no, like I just, I think that it's, it's a little bit ridiculous when you think about it, like, mm-hmm. cause we're human beings with agency, right? Like it, during COVID, for example, mm-hmm. I lived alone. I still mm-hmm. live alone. Same. Um, with a huge Rottweiler for any creepers listening. Um, oh. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was no, like, I do. Really? I talk about oh. it all the time. That's no, I do not have a, have a, a Rottweiler, but no, I, um, you know, I live by myself and during COVID it was a ton of isolation, a ton of mm-hmm. isolation. And like, I like had several points where I was like, okay, I can see like yes. myself, certain relational skills atrophying yes. just by nature of not being around people. And because it's so challenging to be around people, like to put myself in situations where I'm going to have to mm-hmm. like cultivate those relational skills um, because I am an avoidant person. I can be a very like, I'm just going to hide and pretend mm-hmm. like nothing's happening kind mm-hmm. of person. And I know that about myself. But like, so I, I was concerned about that. And so I expressed that to friends. Mm -hmm. I talked to people about it. I, you know, decided like, I'm going to let myself be seen when I'm not all put together. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a choice that I was able to make. And I was able to pray about it and I was able to communicate about it. And so this idea that when left to our own devices, we're just inherently going to revert to our most selfish, self-centered like debauchery, yeah. debaucheryist—that's not a word. Debaucheryist self, um, debased self. Mm-hmm. But like this idea, like that, totally discounts this. Yeah. The the Holy Spirit living in us, <laughs> right? And the fact that God oh, can that. work, right? Like God can. God's not limited to like, yeah. <laughs> like I had you my know what most I mean? like, recent it's not like, massive faith evolution. Living, sitting on my couch, living alone, and just pouring yeah. over commentaries and the Greek and, yeah. uh, and scholars. And I mean, yeah. just wrestling God, like I yeah. will not let you go until you bless me. I did that living alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's like something so beautiful about it. I mean, like, and I, I think that like, even if you, you look at like how many, well, I mean, I've had married friends talk about feeling extremely lonely in their marriages, mm, whereas mm-hmm. like I've had so many experiences uh, sitting alone in my apartment, just reaching out to friends when I was not doing well and like, you know, receiving their love yes. just virtually even and feeling so seen and feeling so held and feeling so loved by yes. them, by God, you know. And so I just feel like it's it's just really interesting to kind of exam- like to take a step back from these narratives and these ideas and be like who told you that that's how human beings are Mm. why is it that you think that like what about humanity what about yourself Mm -hmm. and your own heart is telling you that if I live by myself I am inherently going to devolve into like watching porn for 10 hours a day or whatever or whatever it is that like that or ha- I mean, or I'm on Tinder and I'm sleeping that. with somebody else all the time because right. there's nobody to monitor who's coming in and out. Or I'm and drinking listen, by myself. Or you know, right. all of these things are possible, but they're possible they in marriage. They're possible they in roommates. They're possible yeah. 
in every, as parents, this is not a singular experience to singles who live alone. Yeah. 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 And it's a thing that single people can figure out. Like as human beings who theoretically want good things for themselves and who knows that God wants good things for them. Right. I'm not saying everyone, every single person is like that. Sure. Mm -hmm. I'm certain that there are very selfish debased single people. There are also very selfish debased marriage people. And so equating, you know, the single life with, with that, you know, and saying, oh, well, you have to have a roommate Mm -hmm. in order to prevent that. Like is that logic doesn't track for me. And maybe for some people, maybe for some single people, having a roommate is, is a way to cultivate that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that roommates are good or bad or whatever. Yeah, I want to be clear not... on all of this, on marriage, on roommates, yeah. on finances, on jobs, on agents. Yeah. None of these things am I saying it's bad to want different than what I have or it's bad to exp- yeah. you know to have those things. It's the the yeah. motivation and the message being communicated underneath them yeah. is what I'm talking about. For sure. Yeah, continue. for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I think like all of this is really <laughs> like taking a lot of – I don't know, like power and authority and creativity away from God, hmm. you know, of like uh, oh, away God from God and only... away from especially if the largest demographic yeah. is single women who don't have in, yeah. if you're in complementarian circles, you don't have a husband yeah. to submit to. So oh, get yeah. in get in a roommate situation or let us tell you that if you're not with a roommate, we're automatically going to yeah. cock our head to the side at you. Um, or if you just don't desire marriage, we don't know what to do with you and we'll CC our wives anytime you email us. Um, all of those, there's a fear and an unknown and we don't know what, we don't know what box to put you in. Um, right. And so here's the, here's one roommates, here's one, uh, serve in the kids ministry, serve in youth ministry. Here's Mm -hmm. one, um, you be, you have more time. So you can also serve in these five other ministries, because just because you don't have kids, we think you have more time. Here's one. Yeah. Our young adults ministry slash singles ministry slash whatever is going to go play laser tag. Um, and that's yeah. going to be our one activity this quarter. And that'll be our one, you know, so if you don't like laser tag, that's it for so, this, so. the next three months. Yeah. So it's just, um, there's none of those things are bad in and of themselves. It's the message being communicated and the, and you're exactly mm-hmm. right. The, uh, the absolute, I, mean, I won't say abuse, but misuse certainly of authority, uh, maybe abuse mm-hmm. in some, in some circumstances really quick, before we wrap up, I want to ask you yeah. if you had one nugget of advice or like a pearl of wisdom to share first with Christian singles, what would it be? And the other, a, a nugget or a pearl to share with church leaders about singles in their congregations. What I really want in my work, in my life, in all of it, I just, I want single people to know deep in their bones Mm -hmm. that they are an irreplaceable, valuable part of the body of Christ as they are where they are, not contingent on their usefulness or their marriageability. As you are where you are, you are are part of the body of Christ and nobody, no cultural force, no nothing can take that away from you. And there is so much power in that. There's so, you have so much to offer, even with all of these cultural narratives, like, you know, Christ, you embody Christ in a way that other people don't. 
Mm. And that is so valuable. It's yeah. so valuable. Um, and I just want I just want every single person to know yeah. that um, regardless of, you know, what what uh, experience of singleness you are having, what yeah, what demographic within singleness you inhabit, like all of them, all of them have their own little little nuggets of goodness, like the the tapestry of of Christianity of who God is, of how we experience God is so rich. And single people are such a huge part of that. Yeah. And I just want single people to know that and own yeah. it and freaking talk to their pastors and call out their friends and be like, yo, it's not okay for you to speak to me like that. Or like, yeah. huh, why is it that you're asking me this question that you're asking me or, you know, anything like that? Mm -hmm. Like you have the agency, you have Step the wisdom, that. you mm -hmm. have it, Holy Spirit living in you, yes. go for it. Yes. Uh, one um, last quick word. If you had a note for church leaders about singles in their congregation. Put single people in leadership. Well, <laughs> there you have that. Uh, that was my conversation with the wonderful Mary B. Seyfried. I hope this conversation served you well and will be a resource you can return to as needed, as well as sharing with those um, in leadership at your church. My thanks again to Mary B. for joining me today. I want to let listeners know that in her singles coaching practice, she does offer a free 60-minute introductory session for those who are interested in knowing more about what that what's involved with singles coaching and, and what that will be like. I will link to her coaching interest form in the show notes and on the Instagram stories. Um, of course, it's always available on her website, but if that's something you're interested in, I would encourage you to take her up on it, at least for the free 60-minute introductory session. You can also find Mary B. and follow her work on TikTok and Instagram at Mary B., that's M-A-R-Y, the letter B, dot Safrit, S-A-F, R-I-T. Her podcast is the Unsuitable Podcast with Mary B. Seyfried, and you can listen to that wherever you get your other podcasts. And don't worry, I'll link to all of these things in the show notes as well. Before we go, if you could please take just a minute to pause this episode before the benediction that I promise you don't want to miss. And hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to the podcast. And if you're listening in Apple, if you would leave a rating and a review, it's such a huge help um, for all the algorithm things. I would really, really appreciate that. Join me next week as we continue to make space for, honor, and name what matters. And now according to our little tradition as we close out, I offer you this benediction. It comes from Shannon K. Evans' newest and forthcoming book, Feminist Prayers for My Daughter. In it, she has included a lovely prayer called For Singleness. I have adapted the words to apply more broadly to single people as a whole, but the prayer is Shannon's work and words, and I'm grateful for them. O source of abundant wholeness, in you we find ourselves whole. In you there is only fruitfulness. In you we lack nothing. Your beloved children who are single lack nothing, least of all a better half. We are not a half, but a whole. Not a man or a woman in waiting, but a person fully alive and passionate. When those around us are marrying, let us rejoice for them, knowing our lives are equally as full of love. When our friends and peers begin their families, let us celebrate mightily, knowing we are a vital part of the great human family. When loneliness sets in, 
let us remember how to revel in our own fascinating company. May those around us choose their words carefully, not fixating on our romantic status, but on our impact on the world. Not seeing something missing, but seeing something abundantly present. May we and all who know us see a people whose very existence is a fountain of love and fruitfulness. Amen.